The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G. Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G. Cobb and Michael Warren. Welcome, welcome, welcome. G. Cobb in the House. I'm Michael Warren. Uh, I'll be joined shortly by Ron Glover. Uh, it's been a while, but we are glad to be back. Uh <laughs> A little bit different outlook on that Philadelphia Eagles season uh, uh, <laughs> since we last joined you. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about the Eagles tonight because this is just, uh, it's really the, culmina- the culmination of poor decision-making by Andy Reid. And if you want to blame others and say it's the front office too, fine. This is, this is it. This is what happens when you continually make these types of decisions. And this team's bad. This team is Bad. I'm not going to call them a doormat. I don't think they're a doormat yet because I think they have, they have too much talent on the team. But this is this is not a good football team. This is a team with some talent in a lot of areas. Like you got three starting caliber cornerbacks, very high end caliber cornerbacks. Uh, Rogers Cromartie doesn't even really get on the, doesn't really get on the field that much. And when he does, I think he's uh, personally I think he's pretty lazy. Um, You've got two very active defensive ends in Babin and uh, and Trent Cole. And Trent Cole's hurt, of course, right now. But they, when when healthy, those two have been pretty much a nightmare in the backfield with the uh, the wide nine. Uh, Cullen Jenkins has been a great addition at defensive tackle. Uh, but overall, this team is you know you know you're a bad team when you just find different ways to lose every week. It's always something else. Now, granted, they can't stop the run at all. They still can't get short yardage. Uh, they don't run the ball enough. It's the same stuff. But you throw in the turnovers, and then one week you got Ronnie Brown running in the hole at the goal line, and he's trying to throw the ball. I mean, at least you're going to do that, throw it forward so it's incomplete. I mean, it's it's really to the point where I watch these games thinking a lot of these plays should end with a laugh track. Like, it, it really does look like a sitcom. It's bad news, and it's the culmination of bad decisions. And I, on this show, I have defended Andy Reid, well, I've been on for two and a half years or something like that. I've always defended Andy Reid. All the people in Philadelphia that have been calling for his head all these years, they can't stand him, the play calling, the clock managers, blah, that, forget that stuff. I, I think I, I've always said, to those people, I've always said, be careful what you wish because you never know what you're going to get. You might get some bum in here and you can, you know, I remember 1998. I remember what that was like to watch. It was awful. I mean, it was some of the worst football I've ever seen. So I've always said, careful what you wish for. And I, I don't know that I can, I, I can't defend Andy anymore. This is bad. It's this, like, everyone, people are blaming Juan Castillo. If you're not familiar with the Eagles, they made their O, was he 13 years? He was the O-line coach. And they make him a defensive coordinator. Yep. That happened. 
And you're talking about a guy. Let's not forget there was a lockout. Let's not forget you brought in all these new faces. And you have an O-line coach organizing all this talent. I mean, I know he was bugging evil, Doug and Andy. He wanted, to, he wanted to coach the defense. He wanted to coach. Make him the secondary coach. Make him a linebacker's coach. You know, by all accounts, people know him as a good coach. But defensive coordinator? And so now everyone's blaming Juan Castillo. And I just don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can blame Juan Castillo for not knowing what the hell he's doing. He is in way over his head. This guy, he doesn't have a clue. I mean, just watch him on the sidelines as he's wandering around staring at everybody and they go, well, he's just clueless. And I can't blame him a bit. Andy, you did this. Andy, you put him there. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it, it's one thing... Um, it's one thing when, when, when a team does something where we all, we all like the move and then it doesn't work out. This is some, something that everyone I, you, you can imagine. Oh, Andy names uh, Juan Castillo as defense coordinator. What? It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It turns, I mean, that, that's when it's frustrating, when everyone's going, what are you doing? And then it doesn't work out, and now he's shocked. He, Andy has once again, that's just one of the problems, once again... Ignored the importance of linebacker. They could have had Nick Barnett. They could have. They could have had Kirk Marshall. Are these guys Mike Singletary in their prime? No. Are they better than the crap that's out there? I mean, absolute crap out there at linebacker. Nothing. And it's not just that they can't really play. They're undersized, which is the next point. Andy, you do this all the time. Oh, we're gonna get these undersized guys. Oh, we'll just throw them out there. This team is so soft up the middle. And since they added Jim Washburn, the defensive line coach from uh, the Tennessee Titans, he plays the wide nine, where you have the defensive ends out wide so that they can better get around the tackles. And Jason Babin and Trent Cole are absolutely perfect for this. But everybody knows with a wide nine, what do you need? Some linebackers with some size that can, that can make plays up the middle because your ends are so far out? And you ignore them then, too? I, it's like I can't make this stuff up, uh, and I wrote this for gcop.com uh, this week. It's almost like some of these moves that Andy's making are like a petulant child who, who acts up just to get his parents, and he just wants the attention. He knows it's going to be negative attention, but he gets it. Like Andy's just doing this, like asking Joe Banner to fire him, just begging him. Well, you wouldn't fire me if I mismanaged the account. What if I made my offensive line coach defensive coordinator? Now fire me. It's like he is begging. And... At one and four, I don't think, knowing the Eagles' loyalty to Andy, I don't think they would just cut him loose in the middle of the season. But if they feel like, you know, Joe Banner is looking at these losses racking up, and then he looks over at his payroll and what he's paying these guys to be bad, he might, he might say, look, there is a lot of talent on this team. We can turn this around, and we've got to make a change now. But if you do that, what do you I mean? You clean the whole house because Juan's got to go too. You can't just just cut the head coach off and then put the no one then they'll probably make Juan Castillo the interim good coach. But it's 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 just a comedy of errors when you look at and um, you know that dream team comment aside, uh, they bring in Namdi Asawa. Now you can look back on that now and say, well, you had and G Cobb made this point a while ago. Well, if you didn't sign Namdi, you could have addressed the linebackers and the safeties. I disagree with that. I mean, could it? In theory, yes, he's exactly right. Would they have? No. 
come on, they wouldn't do it. It doesn't matter if they sign Nambi or not. They weren't going to pay any linebacker. They don't. That's what they do. I mean, last year, at the end of last year, this kid, Jamar Chaney, a rookie, what was he, seventh-round pick, started to show a little promise in the middle. So what do they do? On draft day, on draft day, they draft Casey Matthews, who is <gasps> undersized. Shocker. Shocker. And he says, oh, he's our starting linebacker. We're going to move Cheney. It is it's just mind-boggling. It, it's absolutely mind-boggling that they, they make these decisions and think that this is going to work out. You finally had a guy in the middle showing he knew a little bit about something. He was, he was at least adequate. So what do you do? You move him out of there, and you say, hey, this undersized kid who's got a really good dad and uncle and brother is now our starting linebacker. Stupid. And it turns out, God, just frustrated, but I got Ron Glover on the line now. Ron, you with me? I'm here. Can you make any sense of this? Because, all, all, Ron, this is what I was saying before. All the, all the complaints about Andy Reid, oh, he doesn't run the ball enough. He doesn't manage the clock well enough. This is not why this team is the way it is. I mean, he makes his offensive line coach a defensive coordinator. He ignores the linebackers in a wide nine situation? Come on, I man. Can't make sense. I can't make sense of my life the last month. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, so where, where do you put the blame here? It's enough to go around. I mean, for once, you probably can't blame Banner and Lori. Because they opened up their, their wallets, and they opened up the teams. You know, Lori opened up his, opened up his wallets. Mm-hmm. With Reed making Castillo defensive coordinator, mistake number one. <laughs> mistake uh, mistake one. number two. I mean, you've got the players don't really fit this game. Nope, players don't fit this game. All things. Yeah, they broke the bank for Nandi, but does Nandi really fit this defensive scheme? Well, I'm starting to think not. I mean, no value. Say it again. This is what they do, and this is why I'm so irritated. You bring in a guy like Nandi Asma who does what well? Man-to-man. You put him on that guy right there, and then you forget about that guy for the rest of the game. That's what he's done his whole career. So now let's play zone and blitz him. Yeah. And look shocked when he it looks like a fish out of water. Yep. They just, and, and the linebackers all aren't the even line worth mentioning. It's just I mean, it is, bad it's all just, around, man. It's it is bad, bad all, all around. But it's this, this theory of it really does come down to they're smarter than you, and they're going to show you how much smarter they are than you are. Yep. That's what it is. If you bring in guys that do something well, like when they drafted Gokong in 2006 in the third round, it was because he had 22 and a half sacks at Cal Poly that year, his senior year. But they so what do they do? They stand him up and make him cover tight ends. Makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. And, it's, and this, this is caught up with them. It's caught up with them. And I, do you think they would they would pull the trigger on Reed during the season? Yep, I really do. Really? I think they would. If this thing get really got out of hand, you know what? If they get blown out in Washington Sunday, the wheels are going to start turning. The wheels are going to start turning. 
they'll give it the morning wig for the rest of the way. And depending on how he does, either he keeps it or they go after Cower or, or maybe even Jeff Fisher. But they go after a big fish. If that's the yeah, they would essentially be giving Jeff Fisher the job that he deserved 20 years ago. Exactly. When they got rid of Buddy Ryan, you know, Jeff Fisher was Richie. a defensive coordinator. And brought in Richie DK. What's that? And, and they brought in, they hired Richie DK instead. Yeah. It's a great, great move. I mean, that we can't blame on Andy Reid, even though we'd like to. But, um, it very, you know, the more you think about it, could be, they just have so much loyalty to this guy. I don't know the degree that they're just tired of his act the way the fans and media are. And I think that's what it's really coming down to now because the outcry now is for somebody's head. Not necessarily Reed's head, but if someone else doesn't go, and this really Castillo that they want out of here, but if it's not going to be Castillo, then it has to be Reed. And my thing is, all right, once you get rid of Reed, what do you do with Castillo? I was just thinking that. If you cut Reed, let's... And, Ron, you make a good point about this week against Washington because it's the bye week after that. Mm -hmm. And And you know that's that's when a lot of dirt gets done for bad teams. Yes, it is. Uh, You heard about Miami and Tony Sperano. You know, that's... Those teams that come out the gate slow, you know... The bye week is a it's a long week for some coaches. A long two weeks. And that's the time to make changes because even things that Andy Reid always did well, he's not doing anymore. Like this four game losing streak was not Andy Reid. I, I pointed to the San Fran game and I said, "This is what this is Andy Reid right here. He'll get him to bounce back from that Giants game." And it's actually gotten worse. So that's one thing that Reid always did well, and now he doesn't even have that. But we got to take a quick commercial break. We will come back with more complaining about the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> We'll be right back on GCOM now. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific. Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football is Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. 
Combined Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Gary Cobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. That's right. Give us a call, 888-346-9144, if you want to complain about the Eagles and Andy Reid, because that's what we're doing. And, Ron, I think we're pretty level-headed people when it comes to, to the Eagles. I don't think we get caught up in a lot of the nonsense. We're, we're usually, usually pretty fair, very fair, I think. Yeah, I think we are. We don't go off the deep end. But, and this is the first time we really, really laid in the Reid to the point to where, you know, we're talking about his job. Absolutely, like realistically talking about his job. Because think about it, this is one of the things too. When I heard all these people over the years going, "I got to get rid of Andy," "They got to get rid of Andy," I always thought it's not worth even having the discussion. They aren't getting rid of him. Now we can have that discussion. Yeah. Because yep. thirteen years is a long time to come up. And in. you know, you kind of hinted at it during the break. When, uh, we, it's not just that they're losing; it's how they're losing. You look at. It's like it's almost while there's still the constants of can't get one yard when they need a yard, that's a problem. They can't mm-hmm. stop the run. Um, th- those are constants, but this team could have won these games. Look at the Patriots. Their defense is terrible. Yep. They just outscore you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you, got, you had, oh, well, this time it was some missed kicks. Oh, yeah, our running back tried to throw a pass at the goal line. Like, what? Uh, last week it was five turnovers. Five. It's always... Something against the Giants, you look and you say, "Well, you had the lead in the fourth quarter." Most of these games, they had the lead. Three yeah. of these games, they had the lead in the fourth quarter and didn't score any points. You're, you're what? With a midfield when he tried that fourth and one, they haven't scored a point in the fourth quarter this season. Well, this week they did when they came back. Yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, those were the first points. But he was the only team in the league that has to worry about where the offense has to worry about outscoring their own defense. You're exactly right. And the mistakes, you know what, I, I want to talk about this too because after last season or after, especially during last season, you couldn't say this because, you know, is Michael Vick going to be the guy that eventually gets this done? I, I don't know that he is. The turnovers and the mistakes, uh, you know, he's not I'll, playing like he did last year. He's not terrible, but. It looks like, I mean, how much blame can you really lay at the offensive line? And, and I, oh, I, I say, I say that, you know, I'm still thinking about Leonard Davis and Mark Colombo when Dallas let him go. Then they let the center Garrod go. 
bring in one of those guys to at least talk to get these young guys' heads on straight. You've got a nice mix of veterans. You bring in one of those three guys, add them to the mix, work your rookies in slowly, and then you go from there. That's what championship teams do. No, they draft rookies in the sixth round and make them their starter. Yeah, I mean, you got a guy, you know, you bring him and he's just removed from saving a cat out of a tree. I mean, it's a bad, <laughs> bad moves all around. You could only laugh. It's so, I mean, look, we haven't even discussed that. The last two years, and now look, I want to preface this by saying you can go and look at any team's draft with the exception of like the 74 Steelers or whatever, and you can criticize, like, oh, you shouldn't take him, you should take him. You can do that to anybody. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what they've gotten out of the last two drafts, which were Howie Roseman drafts. Another guy, Andy didn't appoint him, but he's another guy. What's he doing making football personnel decisions? What's he know about? What's, what's he know? So, you look at, well, last year, I just brought it up, they're expecting to get Brandon Graham, their first round pick out of Michigan, back um, after the bye week. Right. He tore his ACL, then he did microfracture surgery, and Ron, I've got to be honest, I didn't see a lot before he got hurt. Oh, neither did I. Undersized. He's undersized. Again. So your second round pick last year, Nate Allen, you know, you could say he's working on, he's recovering from the knee. Uh, Okay, fine. He's not showing you, he's not giving you anything this year. Mm -mm. And then you look at the next two picks. Daniel Tanishheim, undersized, third round, when everyone was like, most people had a fifth to sixth round grade on the guy. Right. Oh, yeah, they always with that? You, can, you can bank on the reach. You can bank on the eagle reaching. Mm-hmm. And that's where that, that eagle comes in again, where they're outsmarting somebody. So they're smarter than you. They're going to show you. Yeah. Yep. And then, then they drafted Trevard Lindley in the fourth round, a cornerback out of Kentucky. One of those guys, you got two of them are hurt and weren't that good before they got hurt. And then the third, third and fourth round pick, you know, a few weeks ago I Googled them. I'm like, what are they even doing? They re-signed Tanishheim's on the practice squad, which means nobody in the NFL wants him. A third round pick in 2010, and nobody even cares to take a flyer on the guy. But the a fourth round pick in 2010. He had a visit with the Bengals. That was the last I saw at Trevard Lindley. And then this year, well, you got your kicker out of it. I guess you got that going for you. Yeah. Um, have you even have you even heard Curtis Marsh's name in the third round pick? Who? <laughs> That's exactly it. Danny Watkins went from being your starter, and then they saw in the preseason that he and Kelsey are probably not a good match for one another. So they they, they went out and filed signed Kyle Devan, and then all of a sudden, and this is what I thought was telling Ron, people were like, "Oh, he's not even playing. He wasn't even dressing. He was inactive." That tells you everything. Come on, this Jake one Jarrett, inactive. The yep. safeties stink. The offensive line stink, and here these guys are inactive. Now Danny Watkins starts last week. I, what did you think of him last week? I thought he was all right. He holds his own. I, I can't. I can't say anything bad about him. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It's early, but it's getting late. <laughs> it's getting late very quickly. It's early, but you know, they, they, in the third round they took Curtis Marsh. I don't know what he's doing. And in the fourth round you got Henry, the, your, you got your kicker, and then of course Casey Matthews, who I don't even know if I want him playing special teams, dude. You know what? This is like the story of Philadelphia. 
you know, we always get the other brother. Didn't we have one of the DiMaggio brothers? Didn't we have Joe's brother? I think so. I know we had... We had um, DiMaggio's brother. We had the other Giambi. We had Jeremy Giambi. Who was the, had, uh, the infield? Was it... Um, it was... Who was a god infielder? I think he was second baseman for uh, the Pirates years ago. Jay Bell. Oh, we got Juan Bell, and they had Jay Bell. Juan Bell. They had Jay Bell. <laughs> We always got the wrong brother. So I was telling my buddy the other day that if for some reason there's an even younger Matthews brother and he's a super stud too, I'm I'm quitting. I'm done. Yeah, you mean like everyone in the Matthews family's awesome except the one we got. Except except the one. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. I mean, and then they're getting some production out of this fifth round pick, Brian Roll. He's okay, but he's undersized. There was a reason you got him in the sixth round, and. Just you know, it's been nine, this isn't all Andy Reid. Eagles haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since 1979. Jerry Robinson, and that's probably because of his ties to Dick Vermeil from UCLA. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a long time of ignoring the position, but at least you know during those years you'd have a uh, William Thomas or a Carlos Simmons and Trotter. They hit him a couple of those guys. And this team has a great tradition of linebackers. There's some great linebackers that came through this town. This is an Eagles linebackers like, show we're on. <laughs> say it again? I said this is an Eagles linebackers show that we're on. Yeah, exactly. And it's like when Reed came here, the only thing he did, the, the, I'd say maybe one of the dumbest moves he did was cut Trotter. But he brought Trotter back because he realized that, you know, he needed him. But, I mean... I take Levon Kirkland at this point. Levon Kirkland, Levon Kirkland, I have Kirkland. to think is he has to be partly responsible for the uh, the Joe Jaravicious play. He's still chasing him. <laughs> He's three hundred pounds. He's a linebacker. The one guy they they did get with some size was way oversized. <laughs> way oversized. Should have been on the should have been on the uh, D line. Yeah, he was. I mean, he, he was good, and he was a very good player in his day. But it wasn't his day. That's that another point. thing. The pri- that's a prime example. Kirkland came from a three-four. Yeah, how do you put Kirkland in a four-three? Because that's what they can't do. do <clears throat> that's what they do. Now they're talking can't about making. It. I haven't heard this in, in the Eagles' defense. I have not heard this from the Eagles. There's been speculation of moving Brandon Graham to linebacker, which. Just proves yet again. I mean, the guy's supposed to be a linebacker in a three-four. This team adds personnel like it's got a three-four. That's why I was thinking in the offseason, why don't you go get Bob Ryan? Yep. He runs a three-four, and you've already got the personnel for it. Mm-hmm. Because that's all you've been drafted. It's just maddening, Ron. I swear, it's one of those things that you watch it and you think, maybe I'm am I the idiot? Do I know absolutely nothing about football? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, it does. It, it it does make you second guess yourself. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is it is absolutely unbelievable. And now you just see that all these people that they added, you know, we're all getting excited. You know, that's like the dream team stuff. Think about what you've gotten out of most of these guys. No, Ronnie Brown. I, I think he's been on the field once since his little passing incident. Vince Young hasn't even been healthy to back up. He's been using Kafka when Vic got hurt. Mm-hmm. What's the and you look, and, and you look at the worst teams around the league, and you can look at each of those teams and say, you know what? At least they have an excuse. Indianapolis has an excuse. <laughs> they have an excuse. 
I mean, any other, anyone else has an excuse. We're one and four. It, oh God, this team goes one and five. Going into the bar. Well, I, I kind of want to. I got to be honest. I kind of want them to. So do I, because I, I, I want to see a change. You know what it's like. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like Reed now, the way I felt about McNabb two seasons ago. Just, just time to go. Just exhausted. I mean, it's like you know what? We need a change. We need a change, and it's it's like this has to happen because if not, let's be honest, Andy's not going to care. Come on, he's, he'll get a job in a heartbeat. Yeah, I think and you know what? A very good perception of Reed is the same perception that it was with McNabb. But I think if Andy steps out like Donovan did, you know, the perception is going to change. And you look at Donovan now, and it's like they turned him into, into this character. But it's been what we've been seeing for over a decade. Yeah, it's even and, worse. you know, they him. came down on the fans. Oh, you know, they don't appreciate him and this and that. He went to D.C. Okay, he got a pass because Shanahan really was an idiot about the whole thing. But looking yeah. back, was he really? Well... I hear what you're saying, and, and Donovan needs some help at this point in his career because yeah, he, he doesn't does. force the ball. So when you got Bernard Varian out there who can't get separation, he's just going to chuck it at his feet to get rid of him. I know I'm making excuses for Donovan, and my friends have already killed me for this. They're like, man, you are still sticking up for him. And he's not what he was. No, absolutely not. But he doesn't uh, have around him what he has, should have. Still busted up. And where's Vasanti Shanko been this year? I don't know. I know their receivers are just awful. Jenkins and Barry are toast. Uh, he does have Adrian Peterson, which is for the first time in his career, um, which is probably a luxury that, that he's digging. He hasn't had the ball since 2003. <laughs> he should have, he, if I were coaching, he would have 400 carries this year. Look, we'll get some more football on the other side. we got to take a break. This is G Cobb in the house. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the offseason, look no further than the King's Corner. Talking baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. 
What does building a family mean to you? Nobody has experienced the pain and joy of family life in a way that Freddie Scott has. And his experiences in life, in sports, and business can help you create a successful family future. We'll cover many aspects of family building and management with a focus on fatherhood. Men and women want their families to succeed during these tough times. Our show will give you hope for the future and practical tools for a successful family. Tune in to The Freddie Scott Show, Tackling the Game of Life, Mondays at Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house, featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right. We are back here on G Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren. Show me Ron Glover, who stepped out for a quick second. Uh, and you back, Ron? Yep. Yeah, all right. So we've been railing on the Eagles for about the last half hour, and it's. <laughs> I mean, there's just only so much you could say. It's just it's been a comedy of errors. But you know what? It makes enjoying the rest of the league that much more fun because you just all right, whatever. You watch the Eagles. You know, usually, Ron, it used to be, you know, when you especially when we were younger, you know, you'd watch the Eagles on Sunday, and if they lost. It didn't just ruin the rest of Sunday in football. It ruined your whole week. Yes, it did. And, and like now, I watch it. I was like, I don't even care. I just, I just couldn't wait for the other games to start. I was like, this is, such, this is such a joke. Yeah. But uh, see, you know what? And I wanted to mention this too because I wrote, I wrote about something like this for, for uh, OTR Sports Online today. Um, when Adam Schefter, even when he says these are, you know, just my ideas of trades that would be a good fit for the teams. Even when he qualifies it with, I'm not reporting this, this is just an idea. It always turns up into a bunch of NFL rumors. Oh, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I heard the culture, you're going to get rid of Reggie Wayne. No, Adam Schefter suggested that they could. <laughs> and it's the same thing with, I got a text last night from a buddy of mine, he's like, what's with all the, he's like, is there any truth to these DJ Williams rumors? I looked it up. It was Adam Schefter speculating that they should, they should trade for DJ Williams and Brian Dawkins for a third round pick. So whatever Adam Schefter thinks and puts on uh, Twitter, that's uh, that's what should be done. It's, it, it, it's like, just stop doing that, Adam, because it always gets twisted. It's like this game of telephone that by the time the fifth person hears it, oh, the Colts are going to trade Reggie Wayne. No. Is that the, is that the, uh, the office we can hear? Marcus, yeah. Do you hear like another conversation going on? I don't know. I think we can hear. I think we can hear the producers. Uh, that's all right. Wait, you know, have them join in. Um, so, so let's look around some of these stuff that's going on in the NFL. Ron, do you think the report from Mike Cliss uh, of the Denver Post says that Brandon Lloyd's on the trading block? Is that a good idea? I mean, if you're if you're going if if, if you're thinking about doing that, wouldn't if you're going to go with Tim Tebow, wouldn't you want to give him some help, or are you just saying screw it? If that's the case, then they're setting Tebow up to fail. I mean, oh, hasn't, 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 hasn't Brandon Lloyd been an advocate of uh, Tebow? 
Uh, he could. It's very possible. I know. I, I do remember him saying that. Now that you mention it, but what about that conspiracy theory from Rom? What if they are setting him up to fail? Because you know the brass doesn't. It was the Josh McDaniels guy. Yeah. Wow. Could they be setting Tebow up to fail? Uh, are, you, are you big on Brandon Lloyd? I think he had the one good year last year. I don't love him. I think he's got some of the best hands I've ever seen. That doesn't make you agree with Last week was ridiculous. He, he does it all the time. I've only seen one guy make a catch like that. I think Chris Carter made a catch like that one time where he just caught the nose of the ball with one hand. But well, that catch was awesome. I don't know if you, I mean, some... Some of the catches he makes are so insane. It, yeah. like, it makes you wonder, like, why are you not that good? Although he did have a good year last year, and I think that was the highest receiving total in uh, Broncos history. It was. 1,400 yards. You would think Rod Smith or something like that had it. But um, Now, that guy there was a worker. Rod Smith, he reminded me, reminds me a lot of uh, Donald Driver, just their work ethic. Just the fact that they're just hard workers. Oh, he had to be because he came from nowhere. Yeah. He's an undrafted free agent and became a Hall of Famer. Um, but, yeah, I was a little surprised when I saw that Brandon Lloyd actually had the record for, for the Broncos. I, just, I, I don't think a ton of him as a receiver. I mean, this is a guy that bounced around with the Niners and the Redskins. And speaking of that catch, Ron, do you remember the catch he made against the Giants when he was with the 49ers? It was a deep ball down the middle, and it was the same way. He caught it one-handed but with his, his inside hand, and it was called back for holding. I remember thinking, that's like that's a crime against humanity. Hmm. One of the greatest catches I've ever seen, and it was a holding penalty. And he called it back for holding. I can't catch a break. Wow. And he's had some other ones. But I'd be curious to see if he gets moved. Uh, you know, one of the things, the NFL isn't a fun trade deadline league. Well, they're talking about Brandon Lloyd now. They're showing some of his uh, clips. Yeah, see if they show the uh, the, the Niners the, when he was at the Niners against the Giants. And then there was another one when he played the Eagles in '05 when he was at the Niners. He ran across the middle. The ball's in the air, and he turns away and looks upfield before the ball gets there, and reaches back with his left hand and just caught it with one hand. I remember that. Running. I remember. That. Hold on for one second, Mike. Sure thing. All right, Ron will be back in a minute. But it, it really isn't – the NFL is not a fun league for trading. Uh, you get – we get some fun stuff around, around the draft time because people will swap picks and, and things like that. But what is it, week six, the trade deadline's coming up? That's kind of boring. I mean, hockey, my God, it looks, I think the, the trade deadline is like the day before the playoffs. I'm exaggerating, but, it, but it's very late, and you can do things very late in the game. I, I'm back, Marcus. Uh, Ron, I'm just wondering this aloud. Do you know why the NFL trade deadline is so far up in the season? I think it's so ridiculous. I don't know. I've never understood that. I've never understood that. It's yeah, it week so six, isn't it? Yeah, something like it's that. It's like the trade deadline's in four days. Does it have something to do with maybe maybe the fiscal year? When does the fiscal year end? October? Jeez, oh, I'm not even sure. I, I, no, I, I, think, no, I think the fiscal year runs from July to July. Yeah, because July 1 is the, uh, where it was the, um, you know, it, was supposed to, it used to be a fun day for free agency, but it's really not anymore. Um, 
Because NFL has stupid rules sometimes for no reason. Yeah. They changed this, but it was a 53-man roster, but 46 dressed, 47 dressed, 46. Who, who thought that up? <laughs> if you just make up a number, just make up a number. It's, it's just so stupid, especially when you tell me you're concerned about injuries. Well, dress some more guys so some of the starters don't have to play special teams. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So I don't, I don't really understand why that is, but it does make it much more boring. Now, Ron, getting back to the Eagles here, they could still win this division. What's that say about the NFC East and what happened to this division? It's terrible. Yeah. What, what Imagine this. Was Imagine right. if the Redskins do win the division. That's what I'm saying. What if Rex was right? You talk about a call shot. That's probably one of the greatest. That would be one of the greatest call shots, considering everything. Yeah, I got to tell you, if, if the, I, I'm almost pulling for the Redskins now because, and hey, I'll raise my hand. I was one of the people saying Rex, you're an absolute moron. Could you have a better yeah, season? Well, we were both my hands. We laughed at him. <laughs> we laughed at him. What was he on? I was he on? Because it was, it was just such a, and for anyone that doesn't remember, Rex Grossman said before the season, you know, this was when the hype was on the Eagles and the Cowboys were going to bounce back and the Giants were still going to be pretty strong. And Rex Grossman says, well, I think we're going to win the division. And, I mean, it was just like, dude, you're delusional. You are delusional. But you know what? This is why they play sports. This is why we watch them. This is yeah, why. This is why we love it. This is you know, why we love it. Remember, remember last offseason, uh, before spring training? Oh, the Red Sox won the offseason. They beat the Yankees. They, they won the offseason. Carl Crawford hit 255 with 11 home runs. Seven years, $142 million. Speaking of that, did you see the Red Sox owner, uh, John Henry, came out today and said, I was never for that signing, <laughs> for signing Carl Crawford? Wow. Why would you say that? You got the guy for six more years. Hmm. I never wanted him. And, you know, that's kind of a shot at Theo. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just thought that was funny. To, why, why would you come out and say that when you just, it's not like, it's not like he just completed his contract and now he's a free agent going somewhere else. He just signed this guy. So I guess, I guess you might want to call him and apologize. It's kind of rude. Then again, I don't feel bad for rich people. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm hearing that uh, CC Sabathia may be coming back to the National League. Oh, what's what's the word on CC now? Hmm. What's the word on CC? Uh, depending on what Milwaukee does with Fielder, he may come back to the uh, Brewers. Interesting. And then you add in Ryan Howard not playing all next year. And that makes the Brewers pretty strong. Yeah. They've got Zach Greinke, um, Francisco. Markham. Yeah. And Ryan Braun is an unmitigated stud. <laughs> yes. That guy yes. is just an absolute force. Yes. And so now, tonight they play tonight? Uh... Let me see who I don't know that they, since they're going with Markham in game six. And it's so funny. I mean, this is a Philadelphia show. Don't anybody out there think we really followed the rest of this baseball season that much? Not at all. I checked the scores, and I'm like, oh, I want it to be competitive. But 
Boy, we didn't even get into that. Maybe we'll have to talk some Phillies in the last segment because what you call it a collapse? Uh, it, it wasn't really a collapse. And I will say this, too. Before we get into that, shame on all the people that were like, oh, I think they're going to sweep the Cardinals. Cardinals have a good team. They're in the yeah. playoffs. And you know why I think they looked at it that way? Because Pujols didn't have an Albert Pujols year. You still got oh, Holiday was banged up, but you still got Holiday. You got Berkman, who got comeback player of the year. Chris yep. Carpenter's an excellent pitcher. Kyle Loesch isn't bad. That staff is good. That's a good staff, and they've been good for a while. They've been together for a while. But I mean, I think a lot of fans attributed it attributed the Cardinals season to the Dustin yeah, the whole bit. and he came here in in this series. Yeah, Ron's breaking up a little bit, but that's all right because we got to take a break anyway. So we'll be back in just a few minutes here on G Cobb in the House, VoiceAmericaSports.com. Four twenty. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Gary Cobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. Hey, right, wrapping things up here on G Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren along with Ron Glover and if you're a Philadelphia sports fan, Ron and I, all night, we are not here to talk you off of the Walt Whitman Bridge. We're actually telling you it's okay to go ahead and jump. Yeah, we're, we're encouraging it. it. I may be right behind you after Sunday. <laughs> Just jump. So we, we, we started to get into the Phillies a little bit, and I mentioned during the break, and, and I'm going to do something that you're not allowed to do in Philadelphia. We're going to do it right here on the show. 
You are not allowed to criticize Cliff Lee in Philadelphia. He heals sick babies. He's perfect. I don't... I'm not saying Cliff Lee choked. I'm not saying... The bottom line is you gave Cliff Lee a four-run lead. A $20 million pitcher has to hold that lead in that situation because if he does, they sweep. Ron, I told you the Phillies will sweep the Cardinals, but Cliff Lee's going to have to hold a 4 nothing lead. What would you tell me? Uh, I'll bet my house. I'd go take a mortgage out on somebody else's house. I mean, look, it happens. You know what? This is my problem. The bottom line is Cliff Lee has to hold a four-run lead, but you're not allowed to criticize Cliff Lee. You're allowed to criticize Ryan Howard. You know, that whole thing was his fault. He, he brought the team back in game one, had a great game one. You're right. He didn't do anything after that. He was terrible. But Cliff Lee gets a four-run lead, and they lose. And this is my problem. If I had to blame two things that I thought were most to blame for the Phillies going out early, I blame Cliff Lee, and I blame the five-game series. I said it all along. Five-game series I is so a killer. stupid. You play 162 games, and then you have a five-game series? Come on. Yeah. I, I'm complaining because we were the favorite, and the five-game series favors the underdog. I'm, I am not a fan of the five-game series, but I said that long before the Phillies were even relevant. I always thought it was stupid. But, man, when you're the favorite, that five-game series. And it's kind of, I felt that way throughout the season. You know, they get hot, and it's, you know, they're killing people. The division lead's getting worse, and they're just killing them. And then mm-hmm. I kept thinking, and everyone's going, oh, God, this team's going to... I keep thinking all oh, that five-game series. You, you have a couple bad games in that five-game series, and you're gone, done, you're over. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and you're thinking, you know what? Slow down, pace yourself. You don't want to blow your load in September. Get to the playoffs in a five-game series and have what happened what just happened. That was my fear. When they got out in July and just ran through July, that was that was my thought process. Well, my thought process was, uh, that's great that you're playing well now. Mm, yeah, it matters, but it matters how you're playing now. Right. Or how, or how you're not playing now. That's when it matters. And the bottom line is, yes, Cliff Lee has to hold that lead, and that's why if I have to pick one guy I'm putting the most blame on, it's him. But you couldn't get one run. I mean, Chris Carpenter did, did an excellent job in, in game yeah. five, but you couldn't get one run. You couldn't even send it to extra innings. That game was over in the first inning. And, pe- and people wanted to blame Doc. They're like, oh, well, you know, he gave up that run. He gave up one run in eight innings, and his eighth inning was absolutely brilliant how he got out of that uh, bases loaded jam. Yes. We're talking about Doc. The double play. The double play. Brilliant. And the thing is, he pitched less than his ERA. He pitched half of what his ERA was. His ERA is what, 2.5, 2. 2.7? 2. He's usually he around Yeah. If you tell me Doc Holliday pitches eight and gives up a run, ten times out of ten, I'm saying the Phillies win this game. You're absolutely right. And I, I, do you think that's where maybe it comes up? It's, it's Philly not really a baseball town? Because I, I feel like some of the criticisms that they heap on the Phillies you know, I saw a complaint on Facebook earlier in the year when Doc Halliday, when he gave up three runs in eight innings. Like, oh, you got to be better than that. What? When was the last time the Phillies had a guy with a, a two-point <laughs> ERA? An ERA under three. 
it, it's so maddening sometimes how the how the, how the town views this team. And it, it's all well and good when Ryan Howard hits those home runs, but the minute he has a bat, I mean, oh, he, he's not that good. He's a. It's like, come on. And what was up with Chase Utley's base running? Ron, the player you're not third. allowed to criticize Chase Utley. Well, He's I am, and, and I'm going back to the Yankee series because that was the last time I saw him. I don't know if anyone else has seen him. No, you're right, Ron. I remember we, we, we were talking uh, you know, just two, three years ago about Hall of Fame. He's not going to Hall of Fame. No. He's a good player. He, he's, not, he's not the stud that he used to be, but we can't say that. You don't have to say that. Because that's sacrilegious, and so you can't, can't, can't criticize Chase Utley or Cliff Lee. Now, here's something to think about. What happens with Charlie Manuel? Because they brought Ryan Sandberg you know, up. Do you look at that series and see a bunch of managing blunders? Yes. Uh, do you? I saw one uh, game. What was that, game four? Which one? Leaving Oswald in too long. Then you take out you take out Worley. But I can understand you taking out Worley. I don't see how you let Bastardo pitch the one guy. And he pitched fairly well, and you take Bastardo out after one batter. All right, so, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I still don't think, because uh, somebody said LaRusa outmanaged him. LaRusa made way more moves because LaRusa doesn't have the talent that Charlie has. And it I will say about Oswald. Yeah, I said that too. That he, we, I said he, he had outmanaged him. And, you know, you just made a good point that. LaRusso was working with less, so he had to manufacture more. He had to do more. Yeah, because his bullpen and that makes sense. Comes. Makes sense. Yeah, I, now, that's I, at I don't want to see Charlie go. I don't want to see Charlie go, but I think Amaro's going to panic. Really? You think... You know, I, 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 you might have a point. I can see Ruben Amaro yeah. panicking. I can Ruben's see that. not afraid to make a move. I mean, that much we know. He's not afraid to make a move. But... Yeah. I think with a team this talented, with this many veterans, I like Charlie's approach. He's more hands off. He's good. At, you know, he knows his guys. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I look. I don't want to panic, but you're looking at probably not having Jimmy Rollins next year. You don't have a replacement. Freddie Galvis is not ready. Now you're starting to lose some pieces here. Do you trade back? Just the fact that it's Jimmy, and we watched him grow up here. You know what I mean? That, that's hard for me. To, to, to that's hard for me. Leave. You're talking about losing Rollins? Yeah. Yeah, that's not yeah. going to be easy, but, you know, it, it's going to be a tough decision. The truth is he wants five years, and I, I don't want to pay a 33-year-old whose game is predicated on speed. Right. I want to give him five years. Yeah. He said a fifth-year option, but it's his option. Get out of here, man. No. Nah. No. Nah. But you know somebody like the Nationals is probably going to do that. Yep. Don't do it. And it, it's going to change, man. This, whew. this, you know, that that's what I think makes this tougher run is when you look forward to the changes. Uh, Ryan Howard, I mean, come on, he gets hurt right after you lose the series, really. Mm-hmm. So now you don't have him. Uh, you're looking at not having Rollins back. Abanya uh, is gone. I'm fine with that. There's a lot of changes, and they have holes to fill. Yes. You know, it might not be the cakewalk that, that 2011 was. It's not. And I think, if I've learned nothing else in sports this year, and I'll say from the time LeBron made his decision 
until now, you can put together whoever and whatever you want. But the games still have to be played. Yeah. And that's really the bottom line. And it's so funny that between you and I, I can't imagine how many hours of sports we've watched in our lifetime. And it's like we still need to be reminded of that sometimes because it's so easy to get caught up in everything. But we are out of time. There's only so much Philly slagging we can do in one night. Um, (laughs) But I want to thank Ron Glover for joining me. I'm Michael Warren. This is G Cobb in the house. Everybody have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon.